Hey y'all, so this is Dirt Road Anthem 9, and I went to record a few minutes ago, and I was just eating dust. <laughs> like, there's no way that this is going to work because I'm hacking on the dust off the dirt road, right? So people drive by way too fast, um, the dust kicks up, and if the wind's not blowing opposite your direction, all you're going to do is eat dust, right? And then I thought, you know what, it's kind of perfect for what I want to talk about because Sometimes leaving an abusive relationship feels like you're eating dust. I mean, heck, being in one feels like that. Leaving one feels like that, okay? Because even though there's this immense feeling of freedom, like I feel completely free out here, right? Walking the dirt road, okay? But when you're hacking up that dust and you're tasting it on your tongue and you can't see two feet in front of you, right? Um, it's not fun. And so I don't ever want to paint a picture of, I left my abuser and everything was grand because actually it was such a struggle. And I wasn't this woman that had to like hide out and like change my name. And there are women that have to do that. If you're one of those people, I am rooting for you. I think you are so tough and so incredibly brave. Okay. You have all of my support. Okay. Uh, my situation was not physical abuse, right? It was uh, verbal, emotional, spiritual, financial. Okay. But still, in leaving him, I mean, I got to come back and stay with my grandparents. And so I I had a lot. Compared to what some of you have to walk away with, I understood I got to walk away with a lot. Like, I had to pack up my minivan. And, I mean, that was all my stuff. But I left my most, like, uh, sentimental stuff with a friend. And so... I was blessed and I knew that I was blessed, but at the same time, I had no idea it would be so dang hard. And I've talked about like some of the people's reactions, what it was like trying to get up on your feet, right? And one of the most important things you need to remember is keep getting back up. <laughs> I'm not going to promise you and that you find this phenomenal strength, leave your abuser, and then all of a sudden you're up and you're running and it's perfect and it's wonderful like the end of a Disney movie, okay? <laughs> because in real life, it's not. It's not at all. And I guess I feel like when I have gone through really challenging things that didn't work out the way that I thought that they would, I have always been that person who wants to tell someone else who is about to go through something similar what it was really like, not to make them feel pessimistic, but to give them a realistic view so that they can prepare better, so if you haven't left yet and you're getting ready to, there is a ton that you can learn. You know, I talked about my um, wallet being stolen, okay? That ended up working out for my good in the long run because before I left him, I ended up with a whole new set of documents because I thought to get new social security cards, I had to get new birth certificates. Now, did this mean I was in the waiting room at the birth certificate place for like an hour and a half to two hours with three children, <laughs> not listening to anything that I was saying? Yes, that was me, okay? You saw me there that day? That was me. All right, so I did that, and then I went to the Social Security Administration office, and they were like, hey, you have to have shot records. So then I had to go to the doctor and get all of their shot records printed off and have all the copies of that. So this hidden benefit that I wasn't aware of at the time was that by the time that I left him, I had all of these vital records that you need to have when you are starting over. So if you have not left yet, one of the best things that you can do, and if you're in a dangerous situation, do this privately. Make sure you can keep it secret. Leave them with someone that you trust not to tell your abuser. 
if you're in contact with a domestic violence advocate, which you know, I'm like, do it. I advocate for doing an advocate. Okay. Um, they can help you with this too. Okay. So the goal is, is to have all of these important records in place. So when you leave, you can do everything that you need to do from setting up medical to all of the things. Okay. So having this paperwork, like at the time getting my wallet stolen while I'm separated and having to deal with him. Okay. At the time that week, he gave me $10 because part of this separation agreement was that like, we were supposed to still like, even though we were supposed to be there at separate times, still going on like a date because the counselor said that would be good. We were still supposed to be doing dot, dot, dot. Okay. And one of those things was that he was still supposed to be providing financially while we lived there, while he got help. Well, when my purse was stolen, even though we got everything shut down, right. And they're going to like not permanently take any of that money from us. He gave me $10 for the week for food and gas and told me to make it work. Any of y'all been there? Anybody had an unbelievably impossible budget? And when you don't abide by that budget, your abuser goes to town. Okay. It was like that with me for years. I used to freeze in the meat section at Aldi, not Trader Joe's, not fancy pants grocery stores, Aldi's. And I would be looking at this piece of meat that I wanted to buy. And I would tell myself, I really want to get this, but if I get it, it's more than he wanted me to spend. And then he will yell at me. And then I start asking myself if this piece of meat is worth getting yelled at over the moment that he finds out. And then I, I end up finding myself standing in the same spot five minutes later, being in my head that whole time. So when you're with an abusive person, there's a huge cost and so much of it is unseen because it's beneath the surface in your soul, in your mind, doing long-term damage to your body that you can't see. Okay. And so I, I had $10. Now, what the nice couple at church, um, they they gave me an all these gift cards. So they even knew that he wasn't providing. And they still asked me to go to this class on forgiveness without him getting the help that he needs, right? And so at the time, it felt like I was falling and falling and falling. And every time I hit rock bottom, it's like, we're here. We've arrived. Enough, right? And then sometimes it doesn't go that way. Some people are going to have that story. They left and their whole world got brighter and everything got better. My world got brighter because my soul was no longer being tormented and abused by this person who had had control over me for years. So for me, the world was a wonderful world, not because of my outside circumstances, but because in my inner life, that turmoil that had just nonstop attacked me for years was gone. Like I, I believed I had done the right thing leaving him. I believed that it was right for me to expect to be treated with love and respect and it set me up differently. It really, it set me up beautifully, guys. Okay. Because then when these things in my life happened and they made it harder, having my purse stolen, getting here, and then all of a sudden, like, what am I going to do for a job? And how do I get a job if there's no childcare? And guys, it got so messy. Like, I don't think I want to go this far into the timeline yet, but I will let you know that a few months later was COVID. <laughs> so I'm here trying to imagine what it was like for me. So I started off trying to clean houses and, you know, get word out about that. And I had my sister and like one other person and that was it. And so I tried to do baked goods because I like to bake and I'm good at it. Um, but obviously it always looks a little sketchy when you're putting stuff on Facebook for sale. Right. So I don't blame people for not just thriving and in droves to come eat my baked goods. Okay. Uh, I was trying and then I was failing. 
And I had all these fears that I wouldn't be able to provide because part of the financial abuse was someone telling me how stupid I was with money all the time, except he didn't use the word stupid. He would say, well, you don't know anything, do you? You don't understand finances. You don't know how to do this. You did this when you were 19, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, I married older. And you know, one of the first things my counselor asked me like when I got in counseling here was, um, so what, what was with the age difference? Did you think that there was anything weird about that? <laughs> and do you know that at 19 years old, when I met him, I thought I hit the freaking jackpot. Okay. This guy went to church. He loved God. He was so nice to people. He looked like he had so much together. He had had a past history of drug and alcohol abuse. He had been like delivered from that for years. So he looked like a catch, like still had all of his teeth. Like this guy looked so good. And I thought he's older than me. Look at how he talks. Look at the things that he says. He sounds so smart. He sounds so put together. Notice the word that I use is he sounds, he looks like. Because the truth is I didn't pay close enough attention to what he actually did in private. And we're going to come back to that because that needs to be gone over thoroughly. Like when you get life and you have to use one of those really, really, really teeny tiny combs. Yeah, that's how we're going to, that's how finely tooth this is going to be. Okay. But for now, just know that it's okay to screw up when you leave. It's okay to have lots of mistakes. It's okay to feel like you fail and you fall down. Your greatest overcoming strategy is get back up. I can't promise that you will leave and soar like an eagle. I can promise that if you keep getting back up, if you honor your soul's freedom, if you honor the choice that you made to leave him, if you can honor the fact that you had that courage in that moment to do that right thing and you choose it every day because there were days that I thought to myself, you know, financially in the broad scheme of things, losing my social circle, right? Because my church friends had been my social circle. It would be easier at that point, externally looking at my situation to go back to my husband. But on the inside, I knew that if I went back, my soul would die a little more every single day. So I honored my choice. And the days when I thought, how the heck is this going to work? And and it wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't work. I'd do something and that would fall through and I'd try something else and that would fall through. Okay, I finally started going back to school and that started going relatively well, but I was still then taking out student loans, three small children, no childcare, struggling hard, okay? And it was so worth it. I'm not even on the other side of this thing. And I can tell you looking back now, because it's been almost a year, it was so incredibly worth it to honor myself with that decision. And all of the struggle and everything else that I have been through is all temporary. I will get through this and live this blessed, amazing life where I get to honor myself, love and respect myself. The people that I'm around will get the amazing opportunity to love and respect me, right? If we're in relationship, then that's the expectation. And that goes both ways. Then I expect to treat you with love and respect too. It doesn't mean we won't disagree, but it does mean that I can find a way to disagree with you respectfully, to confront an issue when it matters to me, and to talk to you like you are a person who matters because you do. And I can't be your friend with you. Gosh, I did the like high school, elementary kind of thing where I, I where I was saying to myself, I just wish I had really best friends and they could be with me every step of the way. But then I ended up finding new allies, I guess. My sister started talking to me more and I was talking to her more and we started developing more relationship. 
two of my cousins that I have lost contact with because I was living in a separate place. Your abusers like to isolate you anyway. And we're all spread out. We started talking more and I even got to hang out with one a whole bunch. And, and then you start making these connections that you wouldn't have made because you were in an abusive relationship and you weren't allowed to be a person with feelings and thoughts and a whole plan and life dream of your own. So I got to do this incredible experience and it was slow. It was slow. When I found out that the first church here in Iowa, it wasn't going to work. I was so sad. So sad. First time I walked into this church that I'm going to now. Uh, and I, and I got out that night and people were nice. I was able to just go in and be, you know, I did like a really cool kid. I walked out to my car and cried on the steering wheel, like nasty, snot everywhere, ugly crying, great heaves of sobs because I realized that when I lost the church family, when I first got here in, in, in Oklahoma, like it felt like I lost my family. It it didn't feel like I just, Oh, I lost my church. I, I lost family. A family that you were really hoping would want to support you on your journey. So I got back up and tried this new church. And so in, in when I first looked for an advocate, couldn't find one. They said in my area that it was more for women with um, physical abuse issues or who have witnessed a violent act. And like I ever want to take resources away from that, guys, seriously. Because there are so many ways that I know that my situation was somewhat mild in some ways compared to someone else's. However, the effects of abuse tend to be pretty similar, whether it was physical or emotional, right? And uh, and women who have been physically abused often say that the worst part was the emotional abuse. So we're all kind of in the same boat here. If you've been abused, if you know someone who's been abused, there's so many similarities to the road that we've walked and and we're doing it. And I and I pressed. I was I was I was at the head office applying for housing. And I looked at this lady, and this is how you know, guys. This is how you know that you're you're trying. You're getting back up, but you've fallen a lot. You're that crazy, bloody, scraped lady. Oh, I just watched that show, The Ninja Warrior, and this chick was super cool. She grabs the ring, smacks herself in the forehead on accident, has blood running down her face, and finished the course. And, you know, I respected her way more because she did it while injured, and she didn't even let it phase her. She looked like a total warrior princess, and I was like, yes! right? That's how I, I felt, but I didn't feel like I looked cool while I was doing it. I'm at the head office. I can't find an advocate. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. Nothing seems to be working out financially. It feels like things aren't working out. I'm having such a hard time. And I look at the lady and I'm like, do you know anyone or anything that has resources for people who have survived domestic violence, even if it's not physical? And I had, like, I had to throw that out there, which kind of sucks that the education on that is so limited that there has to be a separate category because really these effects of abuse, they affect us all in pretty similar ways. And she directed me to my domestic violence advocate. She's like, I'm going to give you this lady's name and number, blah, blah, blah. And you know, that was one of the best things I ever did. But I tried like four different times. One time I even Googled the town to look for a, a DV advocate and I accidentally called this place in another state because I went to the city, but not the state. I tried. There were so many times things didn't work out the first four, five, six, ten times. And the one thing I would tell myself, put one foot in front of the other and get back up. If you're struggling, whether you're there, you're thinking about leaving, you're getting out, you already left, but you're trying to build a life, get back up. <laughs> This is not for the faint-hearted, but girl, you are so much stronger than you know. If you survived abuse in any way, shape, or form, you are already stronger than you know. 
and I believe in you. And I know with every fiber of your being, you can get back up and keep going. And one day you're going to feel like me and look back and be like, huh, I don't know how I made it, but I did. I'm so thankful that I did. I'm so thankful I'm where I'm at. I'm so thankful that I made it through. I'm so thankful that I pushed and I had these expectations and that I, I honored other people and I honored myself. You're going to be so incredibly grateful. I believe in you. You can do this. You can get back up. So don't get discouraged today, guys. Always remember, you can. Even if you're like, no, this is the worst it could ever be. I can't. We all like to do that. You send his mentally, I'll be like, oh, what do you want? A balloon for your pity party, Michaela, right? Okay. It's probably not the nicest thing, but because that pity party, it's good to cry your tears over what actually hurts you. But when it comes to pity parties, shut them down, get back up. Shut them down, get back up. That's all I'm asking you to do today, where, where it feels like it failed, where it feels like you've had enough, where it feels like you can't take anymore. All I'm asking you to do is get back up. 